0: Now, it's a joy that we get to open up the scriptures uh, together. And so this morning, we are actually concluding a series that we began um, several weeks uh, ago um, called Songs for the Journey. We've been journeying through a particular section of scripture that's called the Psalms of Ascent, which is Psalm 120 through 134, and so some of you probably are, are new to this and hearing it for the first time, or if you're just like, no, I just wanted to come in for the conclusion so you kind of wrap this thing up. You came on a, on a great Sunday. Um, the big idea is this, as we, get it, as we get into the text this morning, is that God's people several times a year, the Lord would summon them, He would call them to come to Jerusalem and to worship and to be engaged in the sacrifices and the, the processes and, and all of this. It was this invitation in the presence of the Lord. And as the people would travel, they wouldn't do it as isolated individuals. In fact, there's a picture for us, too, now looking back, of discipleship. That if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've taken Jesus seriously to, to take up your cross and to follow after him, like, it is a journey. And it's arduous and it's challenging, and you don't know what is always around every, every turn, and there can be just a lot of challenges, And so what we have in these Psalms, and part of the reason they resonate so much, part of the reason they've been such a balm sort of for just my own soul during this this season is because it deals with the honesty, the reality, the complexities of life, and that's always existed. But man, don't we feel that even more in 2020? And so each week we've been looking at one of these psalms that the group of people, when they would travel to Jerusalem, they would actually sing aloud and they would remember God's faithfulness. And at times they would cry out and they would talk honestly of the pain that they're experiencing. But in all of it, it was this continual continual movement, like we know where we need to be. And even as we just had these children up here, like we desire for them to be followers of, of Jesus, but we know... It can be a challenge at times, but there is great joy to be found. And so the Psalms and these particular Psalms, these Psalms of Ascent, are helping us understand the journey of discipleship. And so I want to read today Psalm 134 is the conclusion. It's just three verses. And so if you brought a Bible, you can turn there. You can also get out your phone. Go to cpwp.life. And swipe over, you'll see a card. The second card should say message notes. What is up on the screen this, morning's include, this morning, including the text we'll be in, is all listed there. The space where you can actually take notes on your phone, email them to yourself afterwards. But I want to go ahead and just read this. And So as I read God's word, if you're able, would you go ahead and stand? Psalm 134 says these words. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Church, let me invite you, I'll put words up on the screen. Pray these words aloud with me, asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds, our heart, our thinking. Let's pray together. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth, find freedom, and in your will discover peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. So what we have here in Psalm 134 for this section, the first thing we just need to look at is this is an arrival. This is a conclusion. The people have been journeying now for some would have been days, some weeks some it might even have been months that they've been journeying to get to their destination and so what we have here and we'll look at this more in depth but when it says come bless the lord they are at the spot now where they have arrived on the scene like they see jerusalem and it's not way off in the distance like they are coming into the city they are there now think for a moment You know that joy, right? Like when you've been on maybe a long road trip or you've had a flight somewhere and it kept getting delayed and you finally get to arrive in your place, like there's this exaltation, there's this, I can't believe we're here. And so it can be this beautiful moment, but there's also with this, imagine for these people, put yourself in their shoes. For weeks, if not months, they're traveling to get to this particular destination. Wouldn't it be fair to wonder like, is it going to live up to the hype? Like all of the effort, getting the kids all packed up. Like we think it's a challenge to like get kids out of the door, like to go to church and then come, you know, go back home in like an hour, hour and a half. Like this would have been like, they're on this massive journey. All right. And the question that would be running through their mind as they arrive is like, is it going to live up to the hype? Is it going to meet expectations? Are there, is there going to be, is it going to be everything that they hoped it would be? And the Reality is, it's a very legitimate question, because you and I know this pain. We know this reality, don't we? There is the ideal that you hope for, and then there is the reality. And we live in that space between where we still long for sort of the ideal, we're dealing with the reality of life, and it can create some really raw emotions when things don't live up to the hype, when they don't live up to the reality, And if ever there was a year where that is felt, it's this year, isn't it? The ideals that you had, the 2020, the play on words, if we got 2020 vision this year, it's like, oh, it's just a bunch of nonsense, right? Like, because within a couple short months, few short months, suddenly the ideal came crashing down and we're left with the reality. And we know what it's like to have disappointment, to have expectations, have hopes and dreams of something that might be and for it to not go the way that we want. And we can sometimes even struggle to define that. Like what word do we use for that? Or at least what word do we use for that that's safe to say in church, right? Like what is that gonna look like? And there's actually a German word that kind of gets at the heart of this. I'll put it up on the screen. And it literally means world pain or world weariness. And it's this idea of weltschmerz, all right? So say it with me on three, ready? One, two, three, weltschmerz. There you go, all right? So now you learned a little bit of German this morning, all right? And there's this word that was crafted in that particular language to get at the reality of like, we have arrived, we got what we wanted, and yet it left us in a place of still just wanting more, and a little disappointed, and if we could be honest, a little frustrated, and a little disillusioned, and just a world weariness. And so as you think about your life and every journey that you've been on, everything that you hoped, when you had a picture in mind of like you're going to arrive at a certain spot and everything you thought it would bring with it, does it always live up to the hype? It doesn't. And it's not meant to discourage us, right? And these aren't necessarily even bad things. Oftentimes they're really good things, but you think about it, like you want to arrive. So maybe you go back to your teenage years and you want arrival with, can I break into this particular social group? Or maybe it was, could I get into this college? And then once you got into that college, maybe that you hope to get into, all right, and thought maybe I can get out of here without massive amounts of school debt. And then you may be like, can I get this job? And you arrive there and you get that job, or maybe you then even get that promotion. we arrive to those moments where you meet that person and you walk down the aisle or you see her walk down the aisle toward you and you have this relationship. And then maybe you're like, oh, I can't wait to have kids. And then you you have kids. Or Maybe for you, it's like the arrival, the thing out there was retirement. Now you, you got that. But if we're honest, even in all of those good things, isn't there a bit still of this weltschmerz? A little bit of world weariness. It hasn't always lived up to the hype. And now, you could be looking at me like, wow, thanks, man, we had, can we get the kids back up here? Like, that was joyful. And now you're talking about veltschmerits, and you're talking about all this stuff that's like sad. But we have to deal with this honestly, because here's the beautiful thing that the scriptures point us to, is not sticking our head in the sand and ignoring all the realities, but actually showing for us what is the thing ultimately that will not disappoint There is an arrival that actually doesn't disappoint. And that's what's happening here in this particular Psalm. It's talking to us about what you and I were created for. And though the Psalmist and the people journeying with him would only experience it in part, One day we are going to be fully in the presence of God, fully known, fully loved, every tear wiped away. And in that moment, the world weariness and the pain will go away because there will be new heavens and there'll be new earth. And this is the story that we're part of. And I know maybe in the moment and the dealing with everything that 2020 has brought, you're like, okay, but that's just so far off. But unless we're legitimately that heavenly minded, like we won't actually be able to engage in the day in and day out of life. Like we need a bigger vision. And the Lord is inviting us into his presence. So I love the way that Josh Moody in his book, Journey to Joy, says about this. He says these words about this psalm The end of the journey with God is a place of unmitigated goodness. There is no disappointment here, not a whiff, not a particle, not a nano minuscule moment of disappointment the person who follows the gospel journey on a pilgrimage with God through his life will end that journey with unmitigated, unparalleled, untarnished, complete and utter blessing. that's what we want and that's, this Psalm is an invitation, it's a talking of this theme of blessing. As I read those short verses just a few moments ago, you probably heard that. So I just wanna look very quickly at what's our response what is our response to God and what is God's response toward us? Because there's some really good news. In the midst of hardship, in the midst of world weariness and world pain, there is an invitation here. And it's when we heed this call, when we heed this invitation, it actually is the best possible way to live. And so look with me at verses one to two again, we we get this calling that we see. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. And so there's this invitation. Hey, what you and I are created for, this is calling us back to our original identity. Our calling is to bless the Lord. Not because the Lord needs anything. The Lord doesn't need anything from us, but rather we're called to bear witness to all that he has done. And through this journey, Through the various songs that we have looked through in these Psalms of of Ascent, we have seen a call back to like, remember the Lord's faithfulness, remember his mercy, remember his kindness, remember the way that he saw you through those impossible situations. And the fact that you're here today means that, listen, the Lord's mercy, they are new every morning. Like right now we are bearing witness to that reality. And it doesn't mean that things always go perfectly. But there's a call, will you bless the Lord? And so the psalmist says, come bless the Lord and then lift up your hands and bless the Lord. And when it uses this language of those who stand by night in the house of the Lord, they're approaching the temple. And scholars and commentators will believe like what what is probably happening here is they're looking out and there were people, they were like temple attendants that may be part of, uh, they're maybe part of the Levitical attendants that were supposed to be there. And they had a role to play. Imagine it being like in the middle of the night and their, their role for that particular night is to, to stand there and to go through some of the process. And you can imagine, because they're human, that it might be kind of difficult. But now this crowd of people's like rolling up on Jerusalem and they're calling to them that are there, these temple attendants, they're like, come on, join in, like we're here. We're, we've waited for th- this moment. And so there's this, come, let's bless the Lord together. They're not naive about the pain of life, but they are focused on we were created for the presence of the Lord. And that's what this journey has been about. And so church, just let me put this very simple question before you. But I think it's a question if we took seriously would change the trajectory of our life, of what our discipleship would look like. Will you and I join in? Will we bless the Lord? If we're honest, most of us, even if we wouldn't Maybe even use words this way. Our thoughts oftentimes are more focused on cursing than blessing. Critiquing than blessing. Lord, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Lord, and, and we can bring those questions. The Psalms are full of it. Like guess full of all that sort of like honesty and just sort of all of those, um, I guess, just dealing with the reality. So the Lord's not fearful of that. The Lord's not like, oh my gosh, like Jamie brought me some questions today. I don't know what to do. He's not like shaking about that. But how often are we engaged in what the psalmist is saying? Let's bless the Lord. Let's, let's, let's grab a hold of our hearts and let's remember what he has done for us. Now, I wanna read you a quote here in a moment from a book. Um, it's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I've quoted several times throughout the series by Eugene Peterson. And it's in reference to this line, lift up your hands to the holy place. Now, have you heard this phrase before, like just going through the motions, right? And oftentimes we need to pay attention because in the life of a Christian, involvement in a church, like it's kind of a dangerous thing, right? Like we can kind of get into a place of just going through the motions. Maybe you feel that. And so it's not calling us, hey, go through the motions, like that's, That's what the Lord desires for us. So there's a wrong way to go through the motions. But I also think this psalm in an interesting way points us to something where there can be a healthy engagement in the motions. And here's what I mean by this. There are going to be moments where your heart isn't going to feel like blessing the Lord. Your heart isn't gonna feel like engaging with God's people. Your heart isn't gonna feel like being here on a Sunday morning. Your heart is not gonna feel like going to a community group or a women's study or a men's study. Your your heart isn't going to feel like loving your neighbor. Your heart isn't going to feel. And what's the emphasis? We are a culture that is consumed with feeling. And if I don't feel like it, then I'm not going to do it. But what if the Lord is calling us, commanding us, inviting us into obedience that will actually allow our feelings to catch up at times. And so, yeah, we don't want to be like this hypocritical, or we're just kind of going through the motions. And yet at the same time, there is a call to pay attention to like, how are we structuring our life? So let me read to you this, this quote. He says this, "'You can lift up your hands regardless of how you feel. "'It is a simple motor movement. "'You may not be able to command your heart, "'but you can command your arms. "'Lift your arms in blessing and just maybe your heart will get the message and be lifted up also in praise. We are psychosomatic beings, body and spirit are intricately interrelated. Haven't we had those moments? Maybe you're just like, I didn't feel like going, I didn't feel like doing this. I didn't feel like talking to that person. And then guess what? You end up out of obedience, following the Lord in that place. And guess what? There ends up actually being some joy. So I'll continue this quote where it's kind of lengthy, but I think it's worthwhile paying attention to this. So kind of building on these examples, Peterson says, well, one person says, well, I don't like that man. Therefore, I will not speak to him. When and if my feelings change, well, then I'll speak. And another then says, well, I don't like that person. Therefore, I am going to speak to him. And the person, surprised at the friendliness, cheerfully responded, responds, um, uh, Sorry, I lost my spot here. Going to speak to him. The person surprised at the friendliness cheerfully responds and suddenly friendliness is shared. One person says, I don't feel like worshiping. Therefore, I am not going to church. I will wait till I feel like it and then I will go. And another says, I don't feel like worshiping. Therefore, I will go to church and put myself in the way of worship. In the process, she finds herself blessed and begins in turn to bless. I think there's an invitation in this psalm. In the midst of the ideals of life and the realities of life, and where we live in this tension, and there's this veltschmerits, and there's this world weariness and pain, we're like, oh, what do we do? What if we took the Lord's calling seriously? We're not gonna do it perfectly, but what if we trusted him and said, all right, Lord, you tell us to gather as God's people. Now, here's what I want you to hear. Right now in this time, some of that's gonna be in person, of so it's gonna be, those of you that are joining us online, I mean both of those things. There's a call still to love your neighbor, not just when the pandemic lifts, right? Because I also wonder how many of us, just subconsciously, right? We keep hearing, I can't wait till 2020 is over. Like you all know this, right? Like the calendar, like the the ball's gonna drop in New York City, all right? Um, And we're gonna have this big celebration and it's gonna say 2021, and we're gonna still be in the same spot basically, right? And so we can't be putting all our hope in like well when this thing happens when i arrive at this when we arrive at 2021 boom it's going to be amazing no when we arrive at 2021 i don't know what's going to be going on with the pandemic but there's still a brokenness and it's not just out there it's in my own heart it's in your heart like what are we going to do with that are we going to take seriously the call that regardless of circumstances lord i'm called to raise my hands i'm called to engage i'm called to bless the lord now We'll conclude with this in verse three. All right, what this is ultimately pointing us to, and if you've been around Crosspoint for any amount of time, I hope this doesn't come as a surprise to you, all right? that ultimately the only way this is gonna get lived out, the only way we're gonna bless the Lord, the only way we're gonna bear witness to the reality of what God has done is when you and I remember what God has done in blessing us, how he has. Now, when we use the word condescend, like if you're condescending towards someone, that's, that's, that's not good, right? Like you're judgmental, you're looking down your nose at them. But we need God to actually condescend to us. We need God to stoop down and to get on our level. What we enter into a week from today is the advent season where we long for the second advent, the coming of Jesus, but we also celebrate his first coming, his first advent. The fact that God entered into this world, God with us, that he left everything, that he stooped down to our level. He condescended to you and me. Why? In order to bless us. In fact, this whole thing here, bless the Lord, if we read between the lines, this is a reminder that the only way we can bless the Lord is because the Lord has already condescended to us. It's a reminder of the story that we're part of. Because at the end of the day, the Lord doesn't you know, look out and be like, man, I'm really bummed out today. I'm kind of, I'm not in a good mood. And, you know, and the Holy Spirit's like, oh, what's going on to the heavenly father. And it's like, yeah, you know, like these guys from, these people from Point, they haven't really been you know, blessing me. And so I'm, I'm just, a, you know, I'm a little bit of a bummed out. I'm a little melancholy today. Like he doesn't need us, right? He literally doesn't need you or me. So this whole thing of bless the Lord is all this reminder that it is a response to how he has blessed us. And he has blessed us through his son that what we need to see is this psalm ultimately points us to Jesus. It ultimately points us to a God that would stoop so low that he would go to a cross. And so look with me at verse three. It says this, we'll conclude here. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. I read these verses as part of the prayer, praying for the kids that were up here a moment ago. Did you hear these words? Number six, it's referred to as this this benediction, it's this this blessing. We sometimes conclude our services with these particular words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Can we be honest? Like, isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we're longing for? Because why? We don't always feel like a blessed people. We, we want to know, is the Lord actually keeping us? Is somebody paying attention to me? Does somebody care about me? Like when the dark clouds sort of roll in, like is there actually something shining bright? The Lord makes his, makes his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. In a world that is bent toward a meritocracy, meaning like, hey, you're rewarded for what you do, what you earn, what you achieve. The storyline of the Bible is the only thing you and I have achieved on our own is separation from God, ultimate death. We've, what we've achieved is hell. And so the whole storyline of the Bible is God in his graciousness saying, I'm going to turn my face towards you. I'm going to shine brightly on you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to lift up, you know, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. He's going to actually give us peace. We want this. We need this. We're created for this, this. This is what our soul is crying out for when we look to all the other things. So every time you and I elevate something, thinking if I get this latest technology, or I go on this trip, or the pandemic leaves, or this person responds well, or I get this affirmation, or I get accepted into this program, or whatever that thing is, that's our heart saying, I want something, I need something. And the calling is to continue to come back and say, Lord, I already have everything that I, that I need in you through the finished work of your son. And so this psalm, this conclusion, it says, May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Do you see the language? It's both a powerful word, the maker of heaven and earth. This is the God that we worship, all right? And yet it speaks of Zion, it speaks of a very particular place with the particular people that god is both powerful one way we can talk about it is he is transcendent but he's also imminent meaning he is close he is with you he's a brother he's walking alongside you he knows what it's like to be tempted he knows all of those things that's what the scriptures are communicating all right that that's the picture there that god is powerful but he's not distant. And so church, let me encourage us in this. As we not only wrap up this series, and as we enter into the Advent series, remember the God that condescended. Remember the God that stooped low. Remember the God who left everything. Remember the God that we, our hearts, are crying out for a blessing. And the only way that you and I get the blessing is if Jesus takes the curse. That's the only way this is going to happen. You and I deserve the curse, the wrath of God, and yet Jesus steps in. So be encouraged in these words. Paul would write to a church in Galatia, Galatians chapter 3, 13 to 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus... The blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. There's a lot there that we could unpack, but I want you to just hear this that God put a plan in motion to enter in, to condescend, to take on flesh and blood, to live a sinless life that you were called to live, that I was called to live, and we didn't. And so all we deserve is curse, all we deserve is curses. And Jesus says, you know what? I will become that curse. I will go to the cross. I will die in your place. So that what? So that you and I can get the blessing that we are created for. That you and I can get the presence of God. That you and I can be in relationship with God. That's the good news. That's what these Psalms have been teaching us. That's what this Psalm has been teaching us. That's what the entire Bible is teaching us. It's a story of God's rescue mission to get us back. And now when we realize that we've been blessed, what do we do? In turn, we can bless the Lord. I'll close with this quote. Stephen Uley in his book, Longing for Home on the Psalms of Ascent said this, this is what blessing looks like. This is is what it looks like to be blessed by God. He says this, God owns us as his people. He owns us by creation. He made us in his image. He owns us by election. He chose us before we were born. He owns us by redemption. He paid an infinite price for us. He owns us by regeneration. He caused us to be born again. He owns us by adoption. He made us part of his family. In a word, this incomparable God is our father. That's how he blesses us from Zion. And so church, I'm gonna close this time in prayer and the worship team's gonna come back up. And while we sing this next song as an opportunity to bless the Lord, to praise his name for all the ways that he has blessed us, that Jesus has taken the curse and now we get a blessing. I want to invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to come up. There'll be elements, communion elements on either side of the stage here. Grab one of those and bring it back to your seat. Don't partake yet. I'll come back up after this next song and we'll partake together. But this is this means of grace that God has given us the week in and week out. We can drink deeply of God's grace, that we can celebrate the fact that Jesus became a curse that you and I might be blessed. And so whether you're here in person as a follower of Jesus, we invite you to come up. If you're at home watching this, if you're a follower of Jesus, we encourage you to go get Elements. And then I'll call us back in a moment. But let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. For your continued faithfulness, your kindness, your grace, we thank you that you pursue us that you haven 't given up on us. We thank you that you invite us to worship you, because in doing that we actually we, we recover our identity, we recover what we were originally created for, that we are a blessed people that is meant to, to in turn to bless you, to praise you, to give honor and glory to you and to seek to bless other people. And so God, would you by the power of your spirit through this gospel, would you be at work in and through us as your people that we would see continually how blessed we actually are and that we wouldn't hoard the blessings that we've been given, but we would point people to how they too can be blessed by you by becoming followers of Jesus that we would be people that seek to bless our neighbor in very practical, tangible ways. In those moments where it feels overwhelming and it's hard and we just get consumed by all the hardship of life, God, would you, by the power of your spirit, bring about repentance, that we would turn in a new direction and that we would remember all that you have done for us. So God, even now, as we sing songs to you, as we participate in this meal, would you use it to reorient our hearts, that we might give you the praise that you deserve, that you would get your glory, and that we as your people would experience a deep and abiding joy. So we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.